Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. We're now live with Grammar Palooza, the new way you can get text messages from me and directly support my work. I'm sending fun language facts you want to share with your friends, behind-the-scene peeks into how I make the show, and a convenient link to the podcast and transcript. So far, subscribers have been happily surprised when they realize they're really actually texting with me. <laughs> the first two weeks are free, and you can sign up at joinsubtext.com slash grammar. That's joinsubtext.com slash grammar. It's in the show notes, and I'll also put it in my email newsletter and on my social media channels. Hi, Grammar Girl. The other question I had is the use of a and an, uh, a normally before a consonant, a capital, a state, uh, a house, and then an usually before a vowel, an opera, an apple. Okay. Now, uh, when it comes to the consonant H, I'm inclined, and it sounds better to my ear, and I believe that I've seen it in writing, but when I hear the word H as more of a vowel, as in honor, which really the vowel sound would be O, and honor, that would be the way I would pronounce it, but a horror would seem to indicate the use of just the single A. Um, I would be curious as to your take on the use of A and N before the letter H, depending on how it is pronounced in the word. This question leads us to a great follow-up to last week's show about the letter H. A lot of people learned the rule that you put A before words that start with consonants and AN before words that start with vowels, but it's actually more complicated than that. The rule is that you use A before words that start with a consonant sound and AN before words that start with a vowel sound. The difference comes up a lot with the letter H, just like in the caller's question. AN HONOR is correct because even though honor starts with an H, which we think of as a consonant, the word honor starts with a vowel sound. And a horror is correct, because horror starts with an H sound. It comes up with other letters at the beginning of words, too. Consider O and U. Usually you put an before words that start with O, like an owl, but you use A when it makes a consonant sound. For example, you'd use A if you were to say, she has a one-track mind, because one-track starts with a W sound. Similarly, it's a utopian idea, because the U at the beginning of utopian makes a consonant Y sound, but it's an unfair world, because the U in unfair is making a vowel U sound. And then you also have to watch out for consonants that can sound like vowels at the beginning of abbreviations, like L, M, N, S, and X, an LLC, an MBA, an NFL player, and so on. One complication is when words are pronounced differently in British and American English. 
For example, the word for a certain kind of plant is pronounced herb in American English and herb in British English. So the proper form in America is an herb, oregano is an herb, and the proper form in Britain is a herb, oregano is a herb. In the rare cases where this is a problem, use the form that will be expected in your country or by the majority of your readers. While we're talking about different pronunciations, let's talk about a historic. Now, some Americans argue that it should be an historic, but I come down firmly on the side that says it should be a historic event. At one of my book signings many years ago now, a woman actually shook her fist at me and walked out after I said this. But there's no logical reason it should be an historic if you pronounce the H in historic, which most people do. I can see how if you pronounce historic as historic, which I think people may do in some areas of the East Coast, like Philadelphia and Baltimore, then you would want to say an historic event. That would be right for your region and your pronunciation. So if you're writing for an audience that's in just that area, you actually should write an historic. But if you're writing for a broader audience than that, you want to go with the more standard pronunciation. And just like you'd write about a history test and a hysterical outburst, you'd write about a historical event. That's what makes it so frustrating that the right word is chosen by pronunciation instead of spelling, but that's the way it is. And here's a little bit of grammar to finish up this segment. A and an are called indefinite articles, and the is called a definite article. The difference is that a and an don't say anything specific about the words that follow. For example, think about the sentence, I need a hairdryer. It doesn't sound like you have a specific one in mind. I need a hairdryer. Maybe you plan to go to the store later to get one. But if you say, I need the hairdryer, then you want a specific hairdryer. You're probably at home and asking for the one you know is in the house. Maybe even in your sister's hand right now. I need the hairdryer. That's why the is called a definite article. You want something definite. At least that's how I remember the names. And the actually has a difference based on the pronunciation of the word that comes next, too. We don't have two forms of the word like we do with a and an, but it's generally agreed that it's pronounced the before a word with a consonant sound and the before a word with a vowel sound. So the confetti, but the incident. And then you can also use the just for emphasis, too. That was the best party. And longtime listeners who know this rule have probably realized that I mess it up a lot. A bunch of people have told me they learned the 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 thing in choir class, and I never took choir, so maybe that's it. But for whatever reason, I never learned that rule, and I don't follow it naturally. I do try, though. I do my best. And if it occurred to you to wonder why we have the words both a and an, that's also really interesting. And you can find that story back in episode 920. Next, I have some fun listener feedback. 
Hi, Grimmer Girl. Brian here from Washington, D.C. I really enjoyed your recent episode about euonyms. I didn't know there was a name for such a thing, but when I was growing up, there were brothers who taught in my school district. One taught me art in elementary school, and the other one taught me trigonometry in high school, and their names actually were Art Smith and Math Smith. Thanks for the show, and I appreciate everything you do. That's amazing, Brian. I listened to your call a couple of times to make sure I was hearing Math Smith's name right because it's so odd. I do wonder if maybe his given name was something like Matt, and then because he was so into math, he got the nickname Math. But as someone with an unusual name myself, I guess I shouldn't judge. Thanks for the great call. I also got an email about a recent episode from Donna, who wrote, I really enjoyed this week's episode, which dealt with the word laraping. It made me think of an expression we use here in Trinidad in a similar way. When a dish is exceptionally delicious, we say it lashes. So I was delighted to learn that one of the meanings of laraping is to flog soundly, which is what lash means to us. Maybe both expressions originated from the same word. Well, a laraping is just the word that keeps on giving, isn't it? This is so interesting, Donna. I looked at the etymology, and I don't think laraping and lash come from the same origin. But isn't it funny and weird that people seem to like words for blows to describe something that's delicious? And once I started thinking about it, more came to mind. Like, we say a good meal hits the spot. And I've heard people use bangs to describe food, as in, wow, that cheesecake bangs. And when I asked on social media in Grammar Palooza, people came up with a bunch more. That pizza slaps. That chili has a kick. That burger kicks butt. That dinner was smashing. That pie was bussin'. Merriam-Webster says bussin' is probably a variant of busting. That casserole was a knockout. That curry packs a punch. And I'm told that in Hawaiian pidgin English, you can say broke de mouth, as in that pie was broke de mouth, and even that pie stay broke de mouth. And finally, Walt on Mastodon suggested cracking, as in that's cracking good cheese, grommet. And although crack has a huge number of meanings, it can mean a blow. Give that a good crack. So I'll accept it, especially because I love Wallace and Gromit and cheese. It seems like the whole concept of hitting being good when it comes to food is pretty universal. I couldn't find anything about why, but my theory is that it's because words for violence are strong and get attention, so they're useful for adding emphasis or being emphatic. And it could also be from the idea that you're so stunned or surprised when something is so good that it's similar to how you feel after being unexpectedly hit, like it had a strong effect on you. Anyway, Donna, who started this whole thread with her great story about lashing, also had a familect. She said, quote, When we were first married, my husband was doing the laundry. At the change of cycles from wash to rinse, he jumped up and said, I forgot to flavor the clothes, meaning he had forgotten to add fabric softener. Since then, the act of adding fabric softener to the wash is flavoring the clothes, unquote. I love that. Thanks for the great info and the story, Donna. If you want to share the story of your family act, your family dialect, a word your family and only your family uses, call the voicemail line at 83321 4GIRL. 
It's in the show notes. And be sure to tell me the story behind your familect, because that's always the best part. And now, if you're a Grammar Palooza subscriber, you can also send a voice memo. To sign up, visit joinsubtext.com slash grammar or text hello to 917-540-0876. Grammar Girl is a quick and dirty tips podcast. Thanks to audio engineer Nathan Sims, marketing associate Davina Tomlin, ad operations specialist Morgan Christensen, digital operations specialist Holly Hutchings, director of podcasts Brandon Getches, and marketing assistant Cameron Lacey, whose parents named her after the character Cameron in the 1999 movie 10 Things I Hate About You, which I have to say is one of my favorite movies. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl, and I was named after a flower called the Mignonette. That's all. Thanks for listening. <laughs>